I'm planning to make Jamal Adams the focus of this podcast, but as I'm getting set to record this Friday morning, uh, I see uh, Julian Edelman tweet that he had a conversation with Deshaun Jackson and the two wide receivers plan to educate one another and grow together, and good. I think it's it's good to see Edelman being Jewish and being a popular NFL player. I think it was good to see him respond to Jackson and, and see both of them show a willingness to highlight the need to end anti-Semitism and end racism. And I, I apologize because I'm going on a bit of a tangent just to start the podcast. I know this conversation doesn't necessarily fit what the essence of the Gangrene Nation podcast platform is, but I find this discussion more interesting than just the the conversation of the Jets signing their fourth round draft pick to a four-year four million dollar contract or breaking down whether or not George Font should be the starting right tackle 1 p.m. September 13th against the Buffalo Bills while we sit here on July 10th and I, I promise we're going to get to the Jets stuff shortly uh, but just to recap quick Jackson essentially posted quotes that were attributed to Hitler and they're quotes that are usually used to argue that Hitler was not racist and then Jackson kind of doubled down on the quote by highlighting a paragraph that referenced Jewish people as trying to achieve world domination and extort America. It it was an awful post. It was ridiculous. It was offensive. It was ignorant. It was anti-Semitic. And let me be clear, just for reference points, I am not Jewish. I am not black. But I do think sometimes anti-Semitism and the Jewish community can get overlooked because there are minorities that are treated worse in this country, specifically black people. But I, I think... Positives can come from this because the issue of anti-Semitism was just put at the forefront of the national conversation where there are times I believe we forget the way the Jewish community has been treated poorly, even if it's not currently as poorly as the black community is treated. I, I know I'm getting deep here, but as much as Deshaun's comments were concerning I was equally bothered by Steven Jackson coming to his aid and doubling, tripling, quadrupling down and defending Deshaun's anti-Semitic social media posts. And and this is Steven Jackson, the former NBA player, not the former NFL player, because Steven Jackson was becoming a symbol for social activists in this country through his friendship and and response to the George Floyd murder. And, And he was becoming a voice for the Black Lives Matter movement and a voice for social equality. And he's done great work. He's done important work on the issue. So how great would it have been If he came out and he educated Deshaun on the anti-Semitic issue and he said Deshaun was mistaken and he said Deshaun was uninformed, but instead his support for the quote, his support for the social media post for the ignorance. Now it takes away from his work on the Black Lives Matter movement and it gives an unfortunate voice to its detractors. It lets people say, see, Stephen Jackson isn't credible. Just look where he stood on the Deshaun Jackson issue. And that bothers me because I thought Stephen Jackson was on track to really becoming an important and very positive voice, and hopefully he could get back on track. But his handling of Deshaun Jackson and this particular issue is going to undermine that, and I think that's really, uh, really unfortunate. So we'll see what comes of Julian Edelman and Deshaun Jackson and how they go about teaching each other and learning from each other and discussing their heritage and discussing how their uh, communities have been oppressed and wronged throughout history and still are today. And I, I think Jackson now... Deshaun Jackson now taking responsibility and not just apologizing for his ignorance, but actually taking steps to learn from it uh, and be better from it. I think his actions will, in the end, save his job uh, and he'll be able to continue playing in the NFL and continue playing with the 
Philadelphia Eagles. But what I don't feel the need to do right now is break down and analyze the response to Deshaun's comments versus the response to Drew Brees' comments about the flag because I've seen that happen a lot. If you believe somebody says something offensive or wrong, then address it. But don't mask either issue. Don't mask any issue by saying there's a false narrative behind it. There were a lot of right-wingers complaining the left didn't respond harsh enough to Jackson's Instagram post. And and look, anti-Semitism is real. Racism is real. And we've had NFL players make comments or social media posts that derailed the ability of our country to fix those issues. And let people learn from those comments without just comparing the response. I know, I know this is early, but let's take a quick break because I, I want to get to Alex Lewis defending Adam Gase from the now infamous Manish Mehta, and that's going to take me a few minutes. I'm not positive if you're going to hear this commercial break. I don't know what ads are being run right now, but I'll, I'll set it up regardless. So we're back either in a couple of seconds or in a couple of minutes. We're back after this. So Alex Lewis had a very interesting Instagram post a couple of weeks ago, and this was in response to Manish Mehta and re- in response to Jamal Adams' wanting a trade or, or Manish Mehta's reports of Jamal Adams wanting a trade and Meta predictably blames. And let me, I just want to actually preface this by saying I do like Manish Mehta. I think he's really entertaining on television and on radio. And I, I give him a ton of credit for being held on to by the daily news because they dumped most of their beat writers, uh, but he's still there putting out juicy columns and even better tweets. Nobody teases a column on Twitter like Manish does. The amount of times that I click on an article because of his tweet, even though I know I'm just falling for the tease, is, is crazy. His, his tweets are fantastic. So I like Manish, and I love his willingness to call Adam Gase and the Jets out when other writers kind of tiptoe that line of not wanting to be too harsh and preferring to defend the team to stay on their good side. But Meta just busts right through that line and says, I'll call you out for things that aren't even here. Is there an agenda? Likely, because he was he was all supportive of the Adam Gase hire a year and a half ago, and then quickly that that changed. So something happened behind the scenes. Maybe Gase closed off one of Meta's sources, perhaps Mikey Mack. I can't say for sure, but it, it seems like that. So even knowing that there's likely an agenda, his, his brash style is it's kind of refreshing. As a Jets fan, I like hearing somebody criticize the team from the media. I, I like a different style of reporting. And writing, I, I like that about Meta, but he's he's struggled at times to keep the agenda going, keep the sentiment going this summer. Uh, his his take that the Jets wronged Le'Veon Bell by signing a 37 year old veteran running back and Frank Gore was ridiculous. It's equal to saying that the Jets shouldn't have drafted Lamichael Perrine in the fourth round, as if that was some sort of slight against Le'Veon Bell. But Gore being a guy that has played for Gase and being a guy that has played for plenty of coaches and been in plenty of locker rooms in a near two decade long NFL career, but he chose to rejoin Adam Gase. I think that's a positive sign for Gase and Meta then just decides though to, to spin it. instead of complimenting Gase, he spins it into Bell needing to demand a trade, which brings me back to the original point. Jamal Adams demands a trade or he asks for one. He makes it clear he wants one. He hasn't outright demanded one because he's willing to stay with the Jets for a new contract, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But when Adams asks for a trade, Meta predictably blames Adam Gase. I had no issue with that. What did he say exactly? I I have it here. Um, Meta wrote... The prevailing sentiment in Gang Green's locker room is clear. Players don't respect Gase, who has rubbed them the wrong way with his inability to lead and lack of support, end quote. But now we have to give Adam Gase credit. 
Because how about Alex Lewis stepping up and blasting Manish Mehta, demanding he reveal his locker room sources and showing support for the head coach? This is great. Lewis wrote on Instagram, give up your sources. You don't speak for the locker room or myself. You got no place in the locker room. If you're going to overgeneralize all players, Manish, you are a poison to this team. Manisha Poison, how about that from Alex Lewis? I love it, and Manish, Manish will be in the locker room this season, assuming COVID restrictions allow for that allow for that at some point, which they, they probably won't. But Manish is not going to be somebody that hides behind the paper. If he's allowed in the locker room, he will be in the locker room and ready to speak with Alex Lewis if, if the Jets lets, lets that happen, if the NFL lets that happen. But there is no question there are plenty of guys that like Adam Gase in this locker room. Alex Lewis obviously does. Uh, Sam Darnold seems to. Frank Frank Gore does. The sentiment from last year that the entire locker room hates Gase was likely overblown, but Manish is going to push that narrative as much as possible. And I, I'm all for the media drama. I, I'm also all for the locker room rallying against that narrative and supporting their coach, supporting each other, and building some camaraderie off of that because that that's what it seems like might happen after a post like this from... From Alex Lewis, uh, but but as far as Jamal Adams is concerned, if I'm the Jets, if I'm Joe Douglas, you have a stud safety, a guy that should be a perennial, not just a perennial pro bowler, but a perennial all pro in this league. And he has two years left on his contract. And then you can probably afford to franchise him at least once. So he's really under the Jets' control for three more seasons at a reasonable clip. Why rush to extend him? The Jets want to wait a season. I'm going to side with them on this issue. And ideally, you know, it's it's certainly not a knock on Adams. Ideally, is Adams here long term? Of course. And we, we watched him step up last year uh, and take his game to a new level. We watched him wreck a game last year and almost single-handedly beat the New York Giants. He has that ability to dominate, which is rare on the defensive side of the ball. It's even more rare from the safety position, but Adams is, is, is different. Now, he, he gets moved around on the field and impacts the game in multiple ways, and I'd love to watch him here for the next 10 years. What bothers me is the idea that Adams will go to another team and not sign a new contract, but if he's going to stay with the Jets, it's only under the terms of getting an extension. So no loyalty shown to the New York Jets at all. Now, part of that is obviously a, a negotiation tactic, and I don't think Adams concerns himself with the perception and what the fans think of him at all while going through this because he knows if he ends up staying with the Jets, whatever mess he goes through with the Jets right now, whatever whatever he goes through in terms of saying that he wants to play for another team, he wants to play for the Cowboys, here's a list of teams that I'll play for, I won't play for you under this contract, whatever happens with that. Jamal Adams knows that if he ends up staying with the Jets somehow and playing well, not one fan is going to care about him asking for a pay increase. Not one fan is going to ask about him asking for a trade during the 2020 offseason or flirting with the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody's going to care. If he's dressed in green and he's on the field and he's playing at an elite level the next five years, Jamal Adams knows that. No fan will care. The only thing they will care about is his performance at that point. So he's going to do what's in his best interest financially right now, and he's going to worry about winning the fans back later because it's going to be easy to win the fans if he ends up staying with the New York Jets. But from the Jets' standpoint, I'm not trading Adams. I'm not trading my best player two months before the season starts, and I believe Jamal Adams is going to be on the field come September with the same contract that he has right this second. He's trying to build leverage, but he just doesn't have it yet. You know, the Jets would be moronic 
to trade him right now. If they traded him in March, this past March, fine. If they trade him next March, fine. But you don't trade him two months before the season. As long as Jamal Adams is healthy at the end of this season, his value is exactly the same today as it will be next spring. Because no team wants to deal a lot for him next year if he's not going to sign there. And no team's going to deal a lot for him right now, today, if he's not going to sign there. So that remains the same. So if Adams' value does not change and the Jets' need wins this season, the Jets need to put together a, a, an improved product on the field than what we saw last year. So why would you give him up for assets? To say the Jets could get two first-round draft picks for Jamal Adams, what does that do for them today? What does that do for them to th- this season? It does absolutely nothing for them. So if you trade Adams for two firsts four months ago, then fine. You now have assets that you can use during the offseason, during the draft, and help build your 2020 roster. If you trade him for two first-round picks six months from now, then fine. You now have assets to use and, again, build your incoming 2021 roster. But dealing him today, dealing him right now, you get rid of your best player and you get zero on the immediate return in a year where the Jets need to show growth and the Jets need to show improvement and that they're heading on the right track or else Adam Gase should not see the third year of his contract and maybe Sam Darnold should not see the fourth year of his. So I'm fine with the concept of trading a safety for a boatload of assets, but I will only do it during a time where I can quickly turn those assets into a return that helps my team in their very next game. But dealing Adams for draft picks right now means you need to wait a minimum of 16 games before seeing a possible return on the deal. The Jets are in no position to do that. Keep him, play him, sign or trade him next year. If they do anything other than that, Douglas and Gase are lost on the issue. And then I I saw Jamal Adams wants to see fans in the stands this year. He tweeted that this morning. Twitter was active this morning between Julian Edelman, Jamal Adams. And yeah, ideally fans are in the stadium for this season. NFL games without fans are, it's going to be strange. Maybe not as strange as as basketball, the NBA, but, but it's going to be more strange than baseball. But Adams says, have them sign a waiver and, and wear masks. The The problem is, once those fans leave the stadium, that's that's the issue. They're now a threat to people that didn't go watch an NFL game, and I don't I don't see how that's fair. If if you're only doing potential harm to yourself, then fine. I say go for it, let fans in. But that's that's not how this virus works. And I, I generally I take a libertarian view on most things. I have the approach of freedom of choice. You can choose to gamble. You can choose to take drugs. You can choose to drink alcohol, choose to own a gun. But opening stadiums up to 70,000 fans seems reckless. And they would they would absolutely get people to do it. They would come close to being able to fill those, fill, fill those stadiums. I have no doubt. Uh, but those people are now a threat to others. So, so maybe 15,000 fans and you spread them out around the stadium. Maybe that's possible. I could get on board with that. But just going ahead and saying sign a waiver that doesn't fix the actual issue. Uh, but... In my opinion, let's let's just get on the field first, please. Let, let's get on the field. Let's see players on the field. Let's let's ha- make sure we have the ability to play games uh, before we start worrying about getting fans in attendance. And I've been firm on this. I think the NFL will play. I can't see them cutting regular season games because that's just it's not their way to give up a buck. The NFL has refused. They've refused to bend to COVID nineteen where other sports have, uh, and obviously the the timing has worked in their favor for that 
But still, when everybody said move free agency during the height of COVID-19 back in in March, they went ahead and and had free agency. When everybody said move the draft, they went ahead. They held the draft. When everybody says the season's not going to start on time, the NFL just says watch us. And, and I believe them. I spoke to Trey Thomas, former All-Pro tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles last month, and I asked him about the the season starting on time, and he didn't have any concerns. He wasn't wasn't surprised the NFL was planning to move forward, and. He, he said, just keep pushing. He said that that's what player football players are. You, you put your head down and you go and said they don't really think about those types of issues. And the NFL doesn't. The NFL doesn't ask for permission. You know, they, they keep moving forward. If they have an issue, they deal with it. Uh, and again, they just keep pushing forward. They never slow down. They, they don't worry about anything negative because the bottom line is no matter what, what happens, no matter what bad press they find, no matter how negative things can get surrounding the game with any sort of outside issue, no matter what issue they have, people love the product. People are going to turn out for this product, a sport that's worth, what, um, $90 billion, somewhere around there. A, a, a sport as violent as the NFL doesn't really care about player safety, doesn't really care about concussions. It, it would almost make them look even worse if they now all of a sudden start to pretend uh, to care about COVID. So I, I will believe the NFL is playing until I see otherwise, and I don't think we're going to see otherwise. I think we're going to see the NFL start on time, and we're now what? We're, we're two weeks away from training camp opening, so we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. Big, 